you have 100 messages. Welcome to the Voicemail Poems Podcast, Fall 2016 edition. I'm Logan Cure. I'm your host and one of the editors for Voicemail Poems. Today I am joined by Amy Saul Zerby, one of my fellow editors. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. Hi. So tell me how long you've been working on Voicemail Poems. I joined the Voicemail Poems team in October of 2014, prior to which Jamie was doing it alone pretty much. So brought on a couple people as submission numbers increased and as it was a lot of work to put it out. Great. Well, I'm so excited that you're here with me today. Me too. Awesome. So Amy and I are going to talk about three of the outstanding poems from the fall 2016 issue. And we're going to talk a little bit about why they're great, some of the story behind why we selected these poems. The first poem we're going to talk about is The Train by Nico Wilkinson. Hi, I'm Nico Wilkinson from Colorado Springs, Colorado, and this piece is called The Train. It's 1 a.m. Sleepers surround me on the train, their shadows shining in the windows. We are all tinted by night, and I am glowing in the cell phone backlight. I'm trying to betray what I'm reading on the screen. You stupid bitch. Get home now, or I will kill you. But this is just another night. I can't make the train go any faster. It will take years for me to realize this isn't my fault. It's 1 a.m. I've made some sort of joke about our sex life, and they lead me away past the rows of people. We are moving to the back of the train but always moving forward anyway. They leave me, that final sort of leaving, and I get off three stops early. Somehow, we end up at the same destination, but not together. Not anymore. It's 1 a.m. I spend most nights alone in the dark, our cat meowing at the patio door's glass until morning. My lover works the night shift, one of the mechanics for the train. I remember how she had to clean the blood when that boy stood in the tunnel one fall day and waited. I don't know if she could remove all of him from the undercarriage. Perhaps a part of him still lives beneath all of those people trying to get home. It's 1 a.m. They are waiting with me at the train stop by their house. I am leaving this city, and there is nothing left for us to say except... I love you, like it is a prayer, like it is the easiest thing in the whole world. Thank you. This poem. So uh, one of my favorite things about this one is its effective use of repetition. So this poem is in four sections and they all start, it's 1 a.m. So we have four different stories that all start the same way. And I thought they were each really powerful. I think particularly the third one about 
the boy under the train. Yeah, I think that that was one of the things that drew me to it, too. I really like repetition. I like that the form kind of mirrors the subject matter, I guess, and the symbolism of the train. I think it's a really powerful piece that raises a lot of questions that I thought would be interesting to talk about. Like what? So actually, all of the poems that we're going to talk about, I thought, had a theme in common, which was kind of agency of the narrators and Mm -hmm. how much control they have over their own lives and relationships. One of the ways I saw that in this poem, I guess, was that there were there were certain lines like about not being able to make the train go any faster, that it will take them years to realize their lover's abusive behavior isn't their fault, in conjunction with this line about moving to the back of the train, but always moving forward anyway. I think like agency and also this sense of progress and whether whether going whether forward movement is the same as progress, where they're really going and what the destination is, I guess. And then yeah, like like you said, the the third, I guess, episode with the suicide. I thought that also tied into that idea of agency because obviously the boy is taking his own life and and his own death into his hands and and I think that raises questions for the narrator. Like, I think when they're thinking about that and they're thinking about whether the boy is entirely gone, it's easy to imagine that that story makes the narrator question, like, the impact of their abusive relationships and whether even when you take the agency to remove yourself from a relationship like that, have you really removed yourself? Can you really remove all of that person? Things like that, which just raises powerful questions about the effect of relationships like that on people. Yeah. This one really stuck with me. It's very real, as the kids say these days. (laughs) I think there's something really powerful about poems like this and like being so direct about, about this kind of, uh, these kinds of relationships and these kinds of traumatic experiences that, that really makes it resonate with listeners and readers. And I think it's important to talk about these things. Yeah, absolutely. I am so glad that we got to publish this one. That was The Train by Nico Wilkinson. Nico Wilkinson is a spoken word artist, letterpress enthusiast, lover of plants, dogs, and Colorado Springs. Their poems are usually about queerness, brain stuff, love, and its byproducts. You can learn more about Nico at nicothepoet.tumblr.com. So next up, we have One Digit Off by Melissa Lozada Oliva. Hi, this is Melissa calling from Jamaica Plain, Massachusetts. This poem's called One Digit Off. Every week I get a call from Ohio asking if this is the Walgreens. I always answer even though I know it isn't for me. It's good to know when it's not for you. It's not for me. It's not you, it's me. It's not you, it's all of this discounted lotion and nail polish remover and tweezers and razors. You are what you love or whoever you don't hang up on. I'll find you in the aisle where I think the least about my body. I wish I could be travel size for you. Maybe a tester or a sample, never a prescription, always a holiday on sale. 
when you leave your shirt lumpy with everything, I let you take the alarm will go off. There goes the beeping and the beeping. There I go, making other people's mistakes all about myself. What am I going to do? Yell. What are we going to do? Be friends. What am I going to say? You're not the person I want you to be. By then, it's just me taking up someone else's time. Wrong store, wrong number. No worries. You're fine. I will say I'm used to this. Here I am, not the Walgreens. Just a girl without a missed call, a wrong number with a full battery. Who knows the mistake before she picks up her phone? You'll know what I am because I'm not what you're looking for. Still, here's the ringing and the ringing again. I'm ready to answer. Here, I will do the work for you. It's me. It's me. Yeah, this one cuts pretty deep, too. <laughs> it really yeah. does. For different reasons in different ways. I think what's heartbreaking here is the the self-awareness and yet the the inability to kind of like let that self-awareness guide your your choices. Yeah. The part that just like hits me so hard. I'll find you in the aisle where I think the least about my body. Yeah. And then the, the litany of wishes. I wish I could be travel size for you. Maybe a tester or a sample, never a prescription, always a holiday on sale. Like, uh, (laughs) and then that he's shoplifting and that he's everything I let you take. That definitely comes back to the agency question. Yeah. I I thought a lot about that connection. They all, they all do have it. Oh, I think it's hard to to tell with this poem, be, like how to take some of the lines. I feel like because it's so it feels so sarcastic sometimes. Like it's the line, "It's good to know when it's not for you" was one of the one of my favorite lines because when I hear that, I just hear like, "What is the point of knowing? <laughs> like if you can't, if you pick up anyway, what's the point of like? Where's the good in that?" And yeah. like that kind of like fatalistic, like she's always going to involve herself in the situation anyway. What good is it doing that she's like so self-aware and is it actually making the pain worse? Well, and I, yeah. And I think we get that again with who knows the mistake before she picks up her phone. Right. I was, I was thinking about whether, whether she's blaming the other people or blaming herself and who she's like most, like where the anger is being directed. And I feel like, Maybe it's because there is really no point blaming anyone that that makes it even harder. And another one of the lines that I thought was heartbreaking was, you are what you love or or whoever you don't hang up on, which just kind of suggests that like sense of trying to define yourself by other people. Yeah. This poem is really visually interesting. Like that's always the thing I think about because, you know, we, we literally publish people's voices, but right. the text, the text of this one, the, the slashes instead of the traditional line breaks, right? I think is a really interesting choice. And I think especially with, cause this one has a lot of repetition in it too. And it's, it's a lot more like, like there are more instances of repetition in this one. And I think this is an interesting way to like visually present that to us. And the, the breaks play on like the double meanings of 
whether something, if it, if it didn't go into the next thing, what it would mean by itself. And then I feel like there's some instances of that. And then there's like lines like, no worries, you're fine. I will say I'm used to this. And like, when you look at it, it looks like I'm used. Mm -hmm. So I think there's, that's something you can do with this form. I love the title too. Yeah. Just one digit. (laughs) like as if as if that makes a difference as if that makes it like closer you know yeah like all it takes is one digit off I think and I I also really enjoyed this one as the voicemail medium I thought this was great for yeah exactly that purpose I really appreciate submissions that are like that where it seems like the poet has made this choice for our medium maybe you know what I mean yeah like they're trying to do as much with it as possible Mm -hmm. and this is like the right length this is kind of the right taking advantage of the spoken word aspect of the voicemail aspect Mm -hmm. the juxtaposition of the way the text is formatted with with listening to it you really feel like you're reading along with the person because because it's just one continuous thing you don't know where they're gonna where they're gonna stop If you want to check out more of uh, Melissa Losada Oliva's poetry, she has a Facebook page, uh, Melissa Losada Oliva Poetry. She's on Twitter at L-O Melissa, E-L-L-O Melissa. And she is also up on Button Poetry performing a poem called Like Totally Whatever, which is fantastic. So the last poem we're going to talk about for today is Love Spell for the Desert by Emily Page Wilson. Hey friends, my name is Emily Wilson and I'm calling from Wilmington, North Carolina. This poem is titled Love Spell for the Desert. If the desert cannot be settled, let it be anxious and alert. It's worry a sandstorm. Let it cover in protective dust what it loves. If the desert can't be hospitable, Let it take solace in what it can offer. No one appreciates water without first experiencing thirst. All myths begin with dirt. Let the desert remember this if it must be homesick. If the desert finds itself too vast to keep track of, let it know it is a canvas. Night paints expansive its stars and black glass, the scent of cactus flower. If its scorched earth can't be fertile, let it feel it is not alone. The desert lark in its cracked jacket of mud, the sand-speckled flesh of the spadefoot toad. Let it know camouflage is finding safety in family resemblance. If the desert is ever accused of storing secrets, let it always refer back to its blue scar of sky. How could a place afraid to share itself hold this much open? If the desert can't be lush, let it burn metallic like molten copper ore. Some people wait for the rust and flame of sunset every day, but the desert was born with this orange in its skin. This was a good one to end on. It's a lot more optimistic than the other two. How so? 
<laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, it's also very self-aware, but I think self-accepting, which is nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. It it has really effective use of repetition too. Um, yeah. Like it brings up, you know, if the desert over and over and brings up all of these things that could be read as negative and and turns them into something that's much more optimistic for sure. Yeah, it just kind of goes down the list and each each like ostensible deficiency or negative quality is, has an answer for it. And then I really liked the ending too. The idea of yes. like some people wait for wait for this every day, but the desert has it like is born with it. I thought it raised questions about like the the different obstacles like between a person and self-acceptance and then I think there's this kind of tension between having a strong sense of like self-worth and and also this like idea of defining yourself based on what you have to offer to others like how hospitable an environment you are for for other life forms I guess hmm yeah I, I like the idea of like a love spell I was thinking about that and like why why you cast a spell and what that what that means if if she's like trying to speak it into truth you know mm. but but that's kind of that's not necessarily like a bad thing like everything is spoken into truth that's just like the way language works so so why not cast the spell that you want to cast i don't know i could i could be totally biased as a person who grew up in the desert mm -hmm. um but i feel like all of the things that are invoked with this poem sort of have that like magical quality and i especially loved all myths begin with dirt i think all of the different really specific desert detail were given all the creatures that live there and the plants and all the, like the the sheer like nature of this poem i think speaks to that sort of magical piece you know what i mean i agree it is very magical and i think that's kind of the nature of like using using that metaphor kind of for that to take on so much meaning makes it magical yeah i like i like poems that sort of create a world that are transporting in a way emily page wilson is an english adjunct professor and poetry uh, MFA holder from UNC uh, Wilmington. She is a Pushcart Best of the Net Best New Poets nominee and wants to grow something wild and unruly. And she tweets at Emmy Go Lightly, E M M Y underscore Go Lightly. The music featured on this podcast is by True Key. And for more by them, you can check out soundcloud.com slash True Key. Voicemail Poems publishes quarterly issues, so our winter issue will be in January, and we accept submissions year-round on a rolling basis, but the cutoff to be considered for our January issue is December 15th, so get your submissions in. Guidelines can be found at voicemailpoems.org call. Voicemail Poems has recently launched a Patreon. You can check us out at patreon.com voicemailpoems. If you love what you hear, please consider contributing. 
We at Voicemail Poems are super excited that we could bring back the podcast. If you're excited about it too, review us on iTunes. You can look forward to our next Voicemail Poems podcast after our winter 2017 issue. Thank you so much, Amy, for co-hosting with me today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And thank you all for listening. We'll catch you next time.